Uh, in his book, uh, Power Through Prayer, Ian Bounds says that the church is always looking for better um, methods and God is looking for better men. Nowhere in scripture do you see God really anointing methods. He anoints people. He doesn't anoint machines. He anoints people who are filled with the Spirit of God. And I think that's why we so love any part of the story of Moses is there was, he never had a method. God sent him to the most powerful um, man in the world, the ruler of, the, of Egypt, King Pharaoh. And Moses didn't have a method. All he had was courage and vulnerability and said to Pharaoh in Exodus chapter five, verse one, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, let my people go, let my people go that they may hold a festival of worship uh, in the wilderness for me. And um, Moses was sent as a shepherd to the most powerful man in the world. And I wanna tell you, whenever God calls you to something, he's gonna always call you to something that is so much larger than you are. It's gonna fail unless God steps in. That's how you'll know it's a, it's a God-sized assignment. Pharaoh's response, who is the Lord that I should obey him? I don't know the Lord. No truer statement could ever be made by anybody in the world than what Pharaoh said, I don't know God. And so we see in that that the, he rebelled after that. And so the cause of all rebellion in the world is, I don't know the Lord. If you don't know the Lord, that's the reason you are, are rebelling. So what was his question? Who am I that I should obey the Lord? Always the wrong question. Right question is, who is the Lord that he should be obeyed? Because the answer for who am I is easy. You're a, a piece of dirt that's been animated by the breath of God. That's true of all of us. I'm not, I'm not talking disparagingly of Pharaoh. That's all we are is, is, is dirt that's animated by God. Not who am I? Who's the Lord? Well, I'll tell you, he's the God that holds all the molecules of the universe together. I hope in 2022, you'll be able to maybe start reading this book by Eric Metaxas, Is Atheism Dead? It's a brand new book, sort of on the, uh, the cosmological argument for the existence of God, as he just reveals that more and more scientists are leaving atheism. They're not declaring that we are, that we know everything about God. They're not, they're not embracing the God of the Bible. They're just saying because of the fine-tuning arguments of the universe itself. It is impossible that this finely tuned uh, earth could exist apart from a designer. And uh, even the distance, the shape of the earth, the size of the earth, the distance we are from the moon, the existence of the moon, the existence of Jupiter that keeps us from being crashed into every day by meteorites. They're all agreeing there must be a designer. Pharaoh didn't get this. He's asking, who, who am I? No, who is God that he's finally tuned all these arguments? Uh, he's finally tuned all these forces together uh, to make life possible on earth. And scientists are pretty much saying right now, earth, that life can exist nowhere else in the universe because only the earth is finely tuned to support life. Moses and Aaron, why are you taking people away from their work? Moses said, we want to go to the, uh, the wilderness for a festival of worship. Why are you taking them away from, from work? It's a reason that Pharaoh loved um, the Israelites working because they were slaves. 
Egypt numbered four million people. Israel was two million of that population, so basically free labor. And so how about this for a campaign strategy, a campaign slogan by Pharaoh? He's able to tell all the Egyptians, you will never have to work again and you can get more stuff because of the free labor of the Israelites. So it's, as it always is, everything boils down to power and possessions and that's why he didn't wanna let them, that, them go. Verse six, uh, that same day Pharaoh gave an order to all the supervisors and said, you are no longer to supply the people with straw. They have to make the same number of bricks, but now they have to go gather straw as well. And I'm punishing them because they are lazy. And this is uh, always the world's attitude toward worship. We should work, 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 not emphasize worship, worship, worship. Flesh says work more. God says worship more. And Pharaoh says, you're lazy. That's why you want to go worship. Of course, straw was the binding agent that held the bricks together. But now they had to make the same number of bricks every day. But now they also had to go gather their straw, which was an impossibility. The result was not only could they not do it, but verse 14 says, and Pharaoh's supervisors beat the Israelites, beat them because they were no longer being able to produce as they did before, which I need to let you know that's a violation of the Fair Labor Standards Act. So, you know, Pharaoh was up for a lawsuit at that time. I'm sure he later got in trouble, but uh, probably, probably didn't get in trouble. But the point of the previous verse is, um, I just want to encourage you that right when Moses obeyed the Lord and told Pharaoh, let my people go, things got worse for the people. Um, this is one of the, the most difficult parts of walking by faith is when you make that decision to put your trust in God and obey him, you're not ready for when the next thing that happens is trial instead of reward. And it's the most difficult part of being a leader is when you ask people to obey the Lord and you know that the next thing for them is trial instead of, instead of reward. Verse 15, then the Israelite overseers went and appealed to Pharaoh. So evidently the Israelites were, they were overseeing their own people. So they went and appealed to Pharaoh and says, why have you treated us like this? Your servants are given no straw, yet we're told to make bricks. Your servants are being beaten. And so um, I find verse 15 to be very interesting because they're in trouble, they're hurting. And the Bible says they appealed, in the middle of their pain, they appealed to who? Not God. This is God's own people. In the middle of their, they appealed. That word appeal is, is the same word that's used in Exodus 17, 4, when Moses is praying to God. Pray, appeal, same word. So basically, these people are praying to Pharaoh instead of praying to God about their pain. And so whenever we lose our spiritual bearings in life, we will put our hope in unrighteous man more than we will in a holy God. So how did Pharaoh respond to these hurting people that asked for help? Remember, they were praying for him, praying to him, help us. He said, you were lazy, verse 17. That's what you are, and that's why you keep saying, let us go and sacrifice the Lord now, get to work. Now, when you come down to verse 20, you really see the strategy. 
It's, it's important to understand the Bible is written in, in, in all the contexts in which we live to. There's a strategy of why he did this, why he made them go get straw, why he punished them like this. Look in verse 20. Here's, here's why you see the result of his actions. When the people left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron um, waiting to meet them. And this is what the people said to their leaders. May the Lord look on you and judge you. This is the people saying to their, they're saying this to Hunter and Rich. Judge you because you have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh um, through, your, through your commands. And so what was Pharaoh's strategy? Divide, to create division within the body. He wanted to create doubt among the people in the leadership of those that God had assigned to, to lead them. I was listening to an interview this week with John MacArthur. He's been out preaching the Bible for 51 years. He's 81 now. 51 years on the West Coast, and there's not a more difficult place to preach the gospel than the West Coast. And, um, and so he's taken many big, bold stands for the Lord over the past two years over many issues that have affected our culture. And they've, they've really, he's been a man of courage. But all of the men that he used to associate with in conferences all of them have pulled away from him because it's dangerous right now to align yourself with John MacArthur. And so it's easier for these people. We would rather align ourselves with Pharaoh and what the world is saying than what the church and what the man of God is saying. It's less persecution to just go along uh, and, uh, listen, and uh, say we support this worldly voice rather than a biblical voice voice. Um, so basically what the people were saying is this. Moses, Pharaoh has taken away our straw, and we're going to stop following God because of that. I mean, that's embarrassing. Take away my straw, God, and I will not follow you anymore. Uh, and, and we've all said that. I've said it. Things are coming in my mind right now many times where I'm I've done that. But look at this from an eternal perspective. How about this? I'm going to reject the purpose of God for my life so that I can have a little more straw on earth. I'm going to reject the purpose of God for my life so I can have more straw on earth. This is what the Israelites were saying. Verse 22, Moses returned to the Lord and said, um, why, God, have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, like nothing's gone, nothing's gone right. So now Moses is crumbling. The people's faith crumbled. They doubted Moses. And now Moses, he's taking it out on God. People said, Moses, it's your fault. Moses said, God, it's your fault. Because I obeyed and look what Look what happened. And here's what Moses should have prayed. This is what he should have said to God. I obeyed you. This is the end of verse 23. And you have not rescued your people at all. Now that's Moses. Here's what he should have said. You have re not rescued your people at all. Yet. Yet. This is the only way that we'll ever survive times of persecution if we can put a yet 
on all of our trouble. Not yet. God is not delivered yet. Um, Lisa and I were so encouraged in December to read um, an article by Tim Challies. He's a great blogger. His name is C-H-A-L-L-I-E-S, Tim Challies. He blogs every week, but he did a blog. I think I may have I've shared it with you. I know I've shared it with somebody on the church, maybe the staff, but it's about this whole idea of until you're waiting to see, it's hard to say, you know, it's not yet. But he sort of paints himself, paints a picture of what it's going to be like for us when we get to heaven. Because we've got all these doubts right now, like, is it worth it? And, and the person that Tim Challies writes their experience, he's imagining that that person steps to the gates of heaven and says, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it was true. I knew it was worth it. And, and that is, that's the message of the Bible. By faith right now, you just got to say, I know it's true. It's just not yet. I know it's true. I know it's true, but not, not yet. So when is, when is the time we get rewarded? I mean, when do we get to see God stand up for, you know, stop all the injustice? Well, we sort of get that answer in verse six. I uh, know, I mean, verse one of chapter six. I'm in chapter six now, verse one. Then the Lord said to Moses, now, now you'll see what I'll do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive, will drive them out of his country. So here's the big question in life. When is now? When do you see the mighty hand of God? And I say this with pastoral tenderness, when you have suffered enough. I don't know when that is, but now, you know, when is God going to say to you now? Um, you're going to see my mighty hand uh, whenever you've suffered enough. And we just want to hang on until God says now. Now, Pharaoh was not going to budge until he saw the power of God, the hand of God come against his country. And you know what? The Israelites were not going to believe until they saw the power of God come from the arm of God. I mean, this is what God told him in chapter 6, verse 2. God says to Moses, I am the Lord. Like, you know, let's get that settled. I'm king, I'm sovereign, but my name, the Lord, I love it, he says, but, I'm skipping to verse three now, but my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to my people. Well, what does that mean? I did, I mean, he introduced himself back in chapter three, but here in chapter six, he said, but I didn't really tell them everything about me. So here's what, here's what God means by that. You will not come to know God until you experience his power. So this is what he's saying to them. You know my name, but you don't know me because you've not experienced me yet. So you just need to understand in life all of this knowledge stuff, and that's, it's great, it's part of it. But you don't come to know God until you experience him. That's what God meant by they don't know me yet because they've not seen my power in real life. Um, verse six of chapter six. I am the Lord. Here's the, here's, the, here's the series of promises that I love in chapter six, verse six. I'm the Lord. I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And then at the end of verse seven, 
and you'll know the Lord, you'll know that I am the Lord who brought you out. I love that twice, that phrase, I'll bring you out, because that's the name of the book of Exodus. The, the name Exodus is, a, is, the, is the name of the book, actually, it's the Greek name of the Hebrew book, but the Bible did become Greek later, so the Greek name Exodus, all of that, chapter six, verse six, is that's really what the book is about. God showing, I'm gonna bring you out. How does God bring us out of things? By going through things. He brings us out by going through. I remember watching the national championship. Uh, I normally am not a person that would say go dogs, but I sort of did this year uh, because, you know, it's 41 years since they had won a national championship and Alabama gets to win everything. Not fair. So I'm saying, well, let's see if somebody else can do it. But I remember Kirby Smart, the coach of Georgia, um, in the 37 days leading up to the national championship game, he kept telling his team, the only way to a national championship is through Alabama. Not around Alabama, through Alabama. That's why I love um, Elizabeth Elliott. Uh, remember her husband, Jim, was martyred by the Alka Indians in 1956, which happened to, you know, this, the anniversary of it was this week. Uh, but she used to say, the secret is Christ in me, not me in a different set of circumstances. The secret is Christ in me, not me in a different set of circumstances. Matt Smethurst says, you don't need smaller troubles, you need a bigger Christ. So the only way out is through is what the, what the Lord says. And I wanna tell you, saint, this morning, believers, brothers and sisters, you, uh, Christ paid, or let's say God paid too much for you with Christ for him to ever forget you. He's gonna get you through this, but through it. But God paid too much for you through Christ um, for him not to get you, get you through this this trial. And the last thing I'm saying in closing is in verse eight, um, because there's more than just, Christianity is more just, than just leaving something. And we see that in verse eight. God says, I'll bring you to the land. I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob, and I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. So whenever you hear the word redemption, salvation, or just call it Christianity. Just always understand there's two parts to Christianity, two parts to redemption. There's God getting us out and then God bringing us to. A lot of times people think that Christianity is just, I just got to leave all this stuff. That's all, that's all the church does. Leave this, leave that, leave. No, no. When God gets a hold of your life, he takes you out of something and then he takes you to Jesus then he takes you to him, then he takes you to heaven, but the full scope of the Bible is God taking you out and God taking you to. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that for all the people last night, honestly, they didn't see the snow this morning because you finished your work of redemption. You took them out of this world to heaven. 
Father, I pray this morning that somebody randomly because of the snow would be online today. You would take them out of their sin, out of their guilt or their addiction, and you would take them to Christ, um, to a seat at your table in your kingdom as a family member, a son or daughter of God. Lord, take them out of despair to peace. Um, take them out of anger to forgiveness. Father, we, we, we thank you and ask all over the world, God, that Hope Point, as a church and individually, we would have the privilege of reaching out to find people who are needing to be rescued out of, out of their lostness and into a relationship with God. We love you, we adore you. Help us now to worship you once again with the amen of singing, the God who takes us out and takes us to. In Jesus' name, amen.